The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick. What's up everybody? I'm Jason with Savage Actual sitting here with my co-host. Patrick, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck you were going to say. I'm like, how is he going to go into yeah. this? Hey, I, what's going on everybody? I'm Patrick. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us at Savage Actual. Yeah, and we are sitting here with a bona fide Navy SEAL that I met through a really good friend of mine by the name of Rudy Reyes. Met you, I think, three years ago, two years ago? Yeah, downtown LA. LA, beautiful like place. A, it was someone's birthday, right? Yeah, yeah, your was, birthday. It was mine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I, I just crashed this party. Who, who, whose yeah. birthday was it? Because one of my other guys that you met too, Jeff Carrizales, I think is the one that reached yep. out to, uh, to Rudy. And brought you along, man, which was pretty pretty cool. So it was a special night, man. I, I had no idea it was a surprise birthday party. So, oh, that's incredible. Yeah, it was cool, man. So met a met a cool new guy there, man. So the circle opened up a little bit, but uh, yeah. So make the joke about the seal thing. So I know you kind of what you're up to with uh, with. I'm gonna say it wrong. I thought I've been saying it right, but you own Sunga. Yeah, Sunga, Sunga Life. Yeah, Sunga. Yeah. I say it shorter, but uh, clothing company. Yep. Um, I know a bunch of other stuff about you, but I want to start, you know, kind of from the beginning, man, and uh, you know, like where you're from and how you got into the Navy and all that jazz, man. So I guess just start from the beginning, brother. So you're from Pennsylvania, I think? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Pennsylvania in the Lehigh Valley, Poconos area, eastern, eastern PA, um, I was actually raised on a dairy farm, and <laughs> I feel that I, dude, I'm from upstate New York, and like I same thing. Grew up working on dairy farms and all that stuff, baling hay and fucking yeah. yeah I know that life. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great childhood, and um, you almost don't appreciate it. But yeah, I had a had a pond in my backyard. <laughs> nice. I had five golden retrievers. I mean, I did. I de- definitely appreciate all that. But yeah, you, you see people, kids now who are just stuck on their phone or addicted to TV. Like I had three channels at my at my house. And yep. Well, I would go to my grandma's in New Jersey, and she had like seven channels. I'm yeah, like, she, all, she actually all had cable. She didn't. Have, oh. She didn't have cable, she but she had yeah. like twice the number of. She had like seven channels. Now kids have Netflix and everything, but they're right like a, addicted to it and there you know I was I had a bunch of jobs from the beginning walking walking all the golden retrievers and um, helping my dad with stuff around the farm and he was making like basically buying little uh, mopeds all the all kinds of things yeah. all the time to fixing, mess fixing around with fixing and stuff, stuff up Hand, handy guy fishing totally fishing nice in the backyard for Bass and trout, and um, yeah, little little sunnies, and yep. what nice. are they called? Um, Perch, bluefin, bluegill, bluefin bluegill. Or something. bluegills. <laughs> yeah, bluefin tune in the Sorry. pond. You're talking no, not bluefin. <laughs> I guess yeah, bluegills. I think you're they're talking called. to the fish little, guy. Man. I got you. Little, 
yeah, so that was really cool. And then my aunt had a barn down the road, and my mom and dad were really, you know, in the in in sports, and he turned her whole barn into, like, a sick gym. So I had two ropes that went up 50 feet to the ceiling. Oh, no way. I had a trampoline, a pommel horse, all these rings, and little half-court basketball court that in the winter we'd go wrestling mats. Uh, so it was just in, incredible. And um, so grew, grew up there. My, my father passed away when I was eight, which was, you know, of course, really sad and tough. He was picking up some farm equipment, um, running errands, and a tractor trailer came across the highway. And it was a highway that didn't really have much of a divider and kind of hit him half head on, half in the door. Um, Damn. So I lost, I lost my dad Damn. at eight years old. And I had a, I had a little sister and a little brother. That was my next question. If you had any siblings, yeah, yeah. So that was that was kind of really tough. We had to sell everything on the farm in the next thirty days. All the all the cow. We had a hundred cows. They were all sold. All the all the farm equipment was auctioned off, and yeah, everything kind of changed. But I had a lot of great family as well. My grandparents lived right up the road. I was always going to see them. I was helping watch over my little brother and sister and everything. And um, so. To elaborate more on that, man, you know, I'm not going to get too deep, but, you know, I think there's always, like, pivotal moments in, in growing up in everyone's life. There's always, like, a something, a catalyst for change, right? So that's pretty fucking monumental. Um, how do you think you changed? How did your perspective change? And um, what what changed for you at that, that moment? Obviously, besides the loss, but, like, your your thoughts and direction I guess and at such a young age but still seared into your mind yeah I remember thinking I had to be like the man of the house then and I was only eight years old and wanted to always be able to protect my little brother and sister and my mom and everything and I think that kind of paved the way for wanting to be a Navy SEAL later on yeah so that you know you watch a lot of movies and stuff and you see all these horrible things happen to people that can't defend themselves or protect their family. And I'm like, that's never going to be me. I'm going to have all these, you know, skill sets so I can always protect my family and friends and people yeah. I love. Did you have, did you have anybody in your family that was like a, a military background before a grandfather? Cause I mean, most of us like that older generation, everybody served. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So my grandpa, he was a Marine in the Korean war uh, Joseph Patrick Aarons, he served, he, no he served, I think it was like four or five years, um, was in Korea for maybe a year or so. He had two purple hearts. He had taken shrapnel in the neck and then there was like a deflection that from a bullet that hit him in the chest as well, but he was, he was okay. Um, crazy thing. He, his, his second Lieutenant who also had two purple hearts, his name was Charlie Cooper. Um, they ended up having, I mean, count, countless. I mean, they were they were 80 years old and still having the Marine reunion every year. I think <laughs> it was like the Baker Bandits, they, mm. they called it. But uh, his, his second lieutenant's grandson was a couple buds classes ahead of me. Wow. And then we both ended up at SEAL Team 5. And I found this out when I was in SQT. My grandma was on at the Marine reunion, uh, they were they were in their 80s, and 
she saw um, the guy, Charlie Cooper's granddaughter, and, and she's with a man, and she's like, oh, is that your brother? Because she had seen them all kind of grow up. And she goes, no, my brother's in SEAL training in Coronado. And she's like, <laughs> my grandson's in SEAL training in So Coronado. random. And then she, she asked me if I knew his name, and I was like, oh, yeah, he was a, I mean, he was a, road, he was a big deal. He was a Rhodes Scholar. Um, I think he was like a valedictorian at the Naval Academy, and he was like a, like a beast physically, too. And uh, it was like a couple classes ahead of me. And so I, next time I saw him out, I'm like, oh, Trevor, how you doing? Uh, I was like, your grandpa's Charlie Cooper, right? Who He ended up being a two-star general. I think he had like two oh, silver shit. stars, Vietnam as well. Jesus. And then... And he's like, yeah, it is. I was like... I know, that'd be kind of caught off guard. Somebody just randomly bring that up, you know? Yeah. You're like, and, and I was like, so he was my grandpa's second lieutenant in the, in the Korean War. And, uh, and then they've always done the Marine reunions every year together. And he's like, what? No way. So That's awesome. He graduated shortly after that. I was maybe a class or two behind him. He checked into Team 5. And then my grandparents came out for my graduation and uh, got to got to meet him and everything, and then I checked into Team Five as well. That's and super cool. Were you guys yeah. ever in the same platoon together? We weren't in the same platoon. Um, we were in different different troops as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and then he went back to the Naval Academy and was like a instructor or professor there. That's crazy. That's, that's true, wow. Man. Yeah, that's super cool. Totally. Just like, but that's the thing is, you start to get those. That's why I asked about the families because, like, everybody, you know, my grandfather was in the Navy and, you know, that's just that, that time everyone served. And so I guess it's not like if you're going to carry that on and you've got grandsons and stuff who are doing the same thing, I guess it's not that out of the ordinary. But to be in that same path is super unique, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by GPM Kit. GPM Kit makes the combat applications belt. It's the first belt designed and patented by special operations personnel. Designed to be the lightest, strongest belt on the market, the Combat Applications Belt is a unique, buckle-free belt made as tough as the people who wear it. Go to gpmkit.com for more information on their incredible belt line. So I was, I was an athlete. I played like every sport I could, and at the time I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. When I was a little bit younger, I wanted to be in the NBA. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. It doesn't matter. Um, You're like, I can and, do uh, anything I want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, I did believe that. You're like, hey, um, kid, uh, within reason. Just obsessed with basketball, <laughs> huh? Yeah. And, I mean, every, every sport, though. Yeah. I played, like, four sports. I so did soccer. Team? I played baseball up till fifth grade. Okay. And then it was a little slow for me. And then I ended up getting into lifting in sixth grade. There was like a YMCA lifting course. I would go and do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I started getting pretty strong. Um, then I think in seventh and eighth grade, <laughs> we could take the bus and go to the high school. And I would lift with the football team there. And um, got re- I've always been into like lifting ever since. But then my sophomore, my soft- so I played soccer, basketball, track, Ended up kicking for the football team. My senior year, I ended up playing Australian football as well because instead, instead of track, I, I almost did track because I knew I wanted to be a SEAL and I knew how important running was, but uh, I was kind of bored of it, of just running. So then I had friends who were on an Australian uh, rules football team. So it's kind of like the catching and tackling of football, 
and a kicking endurance of soccer and then like fast break of basketball. Huh. So it was like all the sports I played without without being, you know, that without That's, having it, played it. So I was able to pick pick it up like immediately. Huh. I didn't and know that was a thing. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of it, and I, I don't think I've ever seen a it's, game played anywhere. It's, it's big in, like, Melbourne, Australia. So rugby, like Sydney and above, is all rugby. And then Melbourne, Florida, is real big for Aussie rules, it's called. And so I played that. It was really fun. But so it's like, this hybrid of football, of soccer, of, and of fast, What, what gear do they wear? Just shorts and a jersey. Oh, so it is kind much. of like rugby-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And you run around like a madman. You tackling people i want to play and it now let's they go put, <laughs> they put me at ruck which was like a basketball tip-off except you start 10 yards away from each other and they throw it up in the air and then you come running in and you have like your <laughs> knee up in the air and you're like trying to spike it you're just like boom and you like hit it or tip it to uh and your is teammates. It a football? it's like a rugby like ball? a rounder football it's like a rounder football and i have like a big thumb it was good for like palming basketballs so i could palm this ball really easy <laughs> and i could run around and just like touch it to the ground a lot of times people would they would hold it and they you have to touch it to the ground every 10 yards so you they could dribble it but i would just run and like palm it off the ground and stuff and huh and uh yeah it was pretty it was it was really fun so uh, that this and this was in pennsylvania huh that was in pennsylvania i played on the lehigh valley crocs and we would play like the Boston Demon <laughs> Deacons. They had a Philly team. They had a DC team. They had a New York team. So how, how old were you when you were doing 18. that? 18. Okay. So this um, is like almost like a minor league sort of thing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty funny. Like it was, a, it, was a, it was a club team. And our coach was from, I want to say he was from Melbourne or something. And he was like, man, I want you. I'm going to go coach like the under 21 team in Australia. I'd love for you to be on it and everything. And I'm like. I'm going to college. I can't just go play this in, this in Australia. You could go to college uh, in Australia. That would have been a wild time. <laughs> yeah. would have gone down that path. I, yeah, I was, I was actually do, going to do Army ROTC and everything. I had a, I had a scholarship, so I'm like, oh, I got to go. Nice. I got to go do that. Um, but I, where I got into wanting to do the military, I ended up playing basketball in my sophomore year. I was on a fast break. It was a scrimmage before the season started, and we were flying down. Someone pulled up, took a shot, and it came back like a line drive, and right when I jumped up to catch the ball, I, it came back like way faster than I was expecting, so I jumped up quick, caught it with one hand, was like spinning in the air, and someone hit me, and I fell, and one, one leg went out into a like split, and this leg fell underneath, and then people landed on top of it and oh. just twisted my knee in like a horrible way. Yeah. And um, I think I've almost never, like, like my knees are pretty good and strong. I've almost never injured them except for that time where I had, like, landed in that freak position and I tore my ACL, my MCL, um, and I, I think I was about to turn 16. And, or maybe I just turned 16. And, um, I was about to so then all of a sudden I went from playing sports non-stop working out every day to just being stuck in you know one of them immobilizer braces yeah. and I'm just like I couldn't do anything uh, I was just yeah. bored and I was like well I know one thing is for certain I can't just go have a boring business job what the heck am I gonna do I need I need like the biggest challenge 
in order to be fulfilled. And I'm trying to find out, all right, what's the hardest thing you can do? And I was like, oh, be, be a Navy SEAL. And I almost wanted to do it just to do Hell Week is what I wanted to do more than anything. <laughs> like just because. first, I was like, oh, I just want to go do that Hell Week. That'll yeah. be awesome. Um, and then I started kind of becoming obsessed with being a Navy SEAL and learning more what, and more Not to about cut you that. off, man. What, what year was this? This was. You can remember? Yeah, so I had the ACL surgery in February 2001. Okay. Um, so it would have been like probably October, I want to say, or November that I tore it. I turned, I turned 16 in November. It might've been 2000. Yeah, it was, it was in 2000 when I tore it and I had a surgery in like February 2001. Um, and, and so then I just kind of became more and more like obsessed with being a SEAL and then it was more for being the challenge. And then 9-11 happened shortly after that. And it just reaffirmed it like a hundredfold. Not to go be, uh, be a SEAL for the challenge, but to go hunt the most evil people in the world and make sure 9-11 never happens again. Right. Um, so then I, but I had also been, I had been like the only um, athlete that was in all advanced classes. So I didn't want to just enlist. I kind of felt like I should go to college first and get older, stronger, more mature. Right. Um, and I was also thinking, oh, the Naval Academy, possibly with like an officer program. But then I found out about ROTC, and I'm like, oh, you can do a normal college. That sounds awesome. And then I saw a random thing about, <laughs> a, about a Navy SEAL club at University of Florida. I was like, oh, oh. I could <laughs> – I was like, I could – do a Navy SEAL club, at, and, and college in Florida sounds amazing. I was like, and then I, so I applied, the kind of the schools I knew about were University of Miami and University of Florida. I talked to my cousins who lived down there. I'm like, oh, I want to come down and visit. I just got into, like, Miami and UF. I want to come visit. They're like, hey, we went to UCF, and we live in Orlando. This college is awesome. You should come down and visit us, and we'll We'll set up a tour for you. So I fly down. My cousins were pretty successful entrepreneurs. They set up a, the athletic director gave me a tour of the whole campus. The campus is amazing. At the time, they called it UCF under construction forever because they were just building all this. <laughs> like It was getting more money from the state of Florida than every other school in Florida combined because everyone else was kind of landlocked by the cities. And this had all this, all this like amazing land. And and they just, I mean, now it's the biggest college in the country. They have like 70-some thousand students. They passed Damn. Ohio State when I was in boot camp. Oh, ended wow. up passing Arizona ASU a few years ago. And uh, so I'm like, this campus is amazing. They, I'm like, my cousins are here. It makes all the sense to come here. So, I, But they didn't have Navy ROTC. And I had met with a lot of different re recruiters. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll do the Army then or something, since they have the Army ROTC. Right. Um, and so I went to... Especially as a young mind, not knowing yeah, much, yep. right? But they... It, it, in it, but it's still like you go through the whole ROTC thing, and then you're just like, oh, I can fucking go wherever I want, though, right? Isn't that... Because I know it's the same thing with the service academies. Like, you can go to... Because I fucking deployed with a dude who was a lieutenant, Marine lieutenant, but he had gone to the Air Force Academy, and when it came time to... 
whatever that's called, you know, fucking choose your service. He's like, yeah. I'm going to be a Marine. And they're all like, what the fuck? You know, it's super, un- super uncommon. It's definitely way more challenging. Even, even staying in the army, you put in what you want to do. If you want to do infantry or you want to do finance or all these different jobs. And they kind of tell you what you get right. picked for. So even staying in, it can be difficult to get exactly what you want. Um, for me, it was like infantry or bust because then I wanted to go right. ranger and everything else. Right. But after my freshman year, I went to I went to airborne school, and there all my <laughs> all my best friends had just graduated. Bud's class two forty four, and all these guys had longer hair and sideburns, and they didn't march, and they didn't say they weren't serving <laughs> a, a, a sir sandwich to everybody they they went up to. And I'm like, I think these are my people. They're like you want to stay in Georgia or do you want to come out to San Diego? And I'm like, San Diego sounds awesome, especially with you guys. And so I kind of had it in my mind. I wanted to go. I like really wanted to go to Bud's after that. Yeah. And so <laughs> I kind of took the scholarship a few more years. And then um, I just told him I was going to pay it back and didn't want to be in the Army and graduated college. And because all the guys were also telling me, you don't want to go officer, you want to go enlisted. That way you yeah. can be a sniper and a breacher, heavy machine gunner, do all the right. really cool parts right. of being a SEAL. Um, and I was, I was like, oh, that makes, that makes sense. And you're also guaranteed as a no, it can take yep. a year to two years or, or never that you're going to get picked up for OCS. It's extremely competitive. As an as a e-dog, you, you sign the contract, you pass a physical screening test, psych test, ASVAB, and you keep passing the physical screening tests along the way, boot camp and everything else, you don't get in trouble, you're going to BUDS. You're getting yep. your shot. Yep. I was like, I'm signing the contract for this and only, o- only going to BUDS. And, and uh, I'm really glad I did all that because then I got to be a combatives instructor and you know, a sniper and a breacher and machine gunner and all, all these things that you don't you don't get to do as a no and then i could have if i didn't hurt hurt my back and get out i could have gone to ocs easily and just been a just been a o like that yeah yeah the the process is way it's a little harder to get in but that's definitely once you're once you're in there it's like it's almost the opposite so for the army the army's like super easy to get in to be a green beret o but then once you if you want to go for the enlisted you don't get to stay there yeah. a lot though yeah but you go in, you get, I think you do like two years or something, and then you go back out, you can just have a random job in the army, whereas like as a SEAL, yep. they're almost never going to make no, you leave the community. <laughs> Dudes would lose their mind. Yeah. yeah, but that's the crazy thing is once you're, once you're in, the, in SF and you go to college or whatever and you want to come back as, a, as an officer, they make it really difficult, which is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's so backwards. That, that is extremely backwards because, I mean, these guys worked their way up through it. They know it intimately, and they could yeah. be a great, great officer, and you should be making it easy for people yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, you would think. You would think. And I can understand why it's so competitive going in because, I mean, even the, coming out of the academy, what, how many slots do they have? Like, I think they have 15, yeah, it, you know, for yeah. the whole year. For in, 15, like maybe fi- it's like 15, 18. In ROTC academy, only has like 15, five or same, 10, right? Same, Something like same that. Same number. Oh, is it Same 15? number of ROTC, same number of OCS. So it might be like 45 officer spots. But, wow. you know, maybe. And officers do better because than typical enlisted numbers because it's so competitive yep. to just even get there. Yep. And 
Whereas like, you know, as, as I said, I'm like, I sign, I sign it, I pass everything. I'm going to get, I'm going to get my shot. And the officers are older too, which, which is a huge advantage. There's a lot of guys who are 18, 19, 20, don't have that much life experience. For the most part, they, just leaving mom and dad's house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they and, let a lot of things and sort they of go, get to them. Not, a, not as independent. They don't have the maturity. They don't understand like delayed gratification. They're just like cold getting surf tortured <laughs> or they're getting run into the ground with the boats and they're like, screw this. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. Whereas someone who's 23 and has a little more life experience, uh, they, they, the, their chances of making it are a lot, a lot higher. Like I, I was 20, I was 23 when I went in and it was definitely a huge advantage. Yeah. I'm really surprised that they don't, because and I'm sure, you know, uh, I had, after I had been in, went through SWIC school and all got to my team and stuff. They had like, like, like motivator people come around and we had to fill out all kinds of paperwork because they were trying to figure out what is causing such a, you know, loss of such a nutrition rate. I mean, that's how it's always been for NSW is like, how do we get more people to get in? And a lot of us had said the same thing. We're like, well, why don't you make it like 19 year olds and up or 20 year olds and up? And it's like, oh, well, we can't do that, you know, and that was the one thing everybody was like, you should be at, have to be at least 20 years old. And they just didn't want to do that. Right. There's still a lot of great 18 year olds that make it through. It's just, they might have like a 3% chance of making it through yeah. or something. Whereas yeah. like I, the overall numbers, I started with two, I mean, lose a lot of guys along the way, boot camp. Um, no, I PT, PTRR. I probably lost 50 people in, in PTRR. What's that? I forget what they call that. Um, physical training, rest, and recuperation or something uh, like oh, that. Oh, you went, see, that's the thing. It's like, so it I went before through, Bud's prep. Yeah, I went through core school, and it, we had like, they called it surf PT in the morning. So everybody yeah. had to come from all, like if you were a gunner, what was your rate initial? Oh, you were so in I when was you were still. So, I was in SO. So that just, I went, that just happened. I had, didn't yeah, have that it yet. It happened. It yeah. was an all kind of SEAL division or yep. spec ops division yep. we had some guys going divers some guys going swick but i had 82 guys in my boot camp division uh, and you guys five, are supposed to stay together right Pot yeah. potentially kind uh -huh. of um we had five make it through hell week and three become seals wow out of like 82 guys that's crazy that's i i had a a, a teammate of mine had go up to the ptrr thing in in chicago and and he actually got in some trouble. He apparently had poured honey on some dude's head, like, at some point. Like, just fucking with him, whatever they do. And he fucking got booted from the whole thing. They sent him back to the team because he Jeez. was fucking with the students and poured honey on one of his heads. And the kid complained, and they fucking oh booted gosh. him. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we kind of skipped a little bit. You graduate, you know, you graduate college. Um and when do you, you said you, you went into the Navy officially at 23? Yeah, so I, <laughs> so I graduated in December, and then uh, I had, I got connected with a mentor there, yep. Mike Gecka, and he was a pretty famous uh, first phase instructor, like infamous first phase, but coolest, awesome, awesome guy. Helped me, helped me a ton. My first, my, so, I, so I work out a bunch. I'm just getting in, like, good shape, but I I wanted to get, like, really good at swimming. I wasn't great. I could swim, you know, I could swim fine, but I wanted to be 
right. start training with collegiate swimmers. And, and so I go, my, I go my first day, and I hadn't signed up for what's called a delayed entry program. Right. Right. So I hadn't signed up yet. I was about to the next week. And he's like, all right, you're not signed up yet, so you can't do the physical screening test. But you know what? Maybe just be in the, the outside lane, and you can do it too, and we'll, we'll see how your numbers are. And so, so I, do, cool. I do that. I, I, I pass the swim. It's like, okay. And then we go to the pull-ups and the push-ups and the sit-ups. I probably do close to 20 pull-ups and like 90-some push-ups. But then I do like probably 120 sit-ups. And then we do the run. mile and a half, and I run like an 840 mile and a half. Nice. I like, I mean, I destroy everyone and all that stuff. And then he's like, I thought I was going there, and everybody was going to be a freaking beast. You know, you're thinking it's going to butts. Everyone's going to be a monster. It's not like that, and though. Not at all. And uh, it's all these guys who are leaving for literally boot camp, and they're all soft as hell. And my kick is like, what the hell? You guys need to be in shape like him before you're leaving. He's just starting and he just smoked you all. And uh, so he kind of took me under his wing and we got super close right off the bat. We go to lunch and then we come back and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do the PST again. He's like, you sure you don't have to? I'm like, well, I might as well get the workout out of it. So I do it, so I do it again. I crush everyone Same again. Day. Then we do it one more time and I crush everyone again, back to back to back. Damn, and dude. then he... Was just like you know, he's like that's he's, my boy. He's literally just yelling at everyone else about like, how soft they are. He's like, yeah, and then he's like, you you pissed him off against everyone else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty. Per- so there's a new standard. I, I got a I got a good question for you. So, <laughs> what did the fucking recruiter say when you showed up and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a college graduate, but I want to go into the fucking like because you know how these guys are. They're just a bunch of bullshit, and yeah. I'm sure he was like trying to push you into other stuff. Yeah, or was he just like, okay, you're sold on? I this. think he he saw how serious I was about it and and he was he was really cool. He realized there was I mean, I was very this is all I'm gonna do. And he didn't he didn't try to cool. push me anything into anything else. I went, came back, uh, and they a lot of times they make people show up and do like navy education or different things and he never really made me do that. I did go one time and I'm like, all right, I'm going to lead the workout and stuff. And there was like 20, 20 kids there. A bunch of them were like <laughs> all chubby and stuff. Oh, My recruiter did the, did the workout with me. And it was, in, it was in Florida out in the grass, like in the sun. And I'm just doing like flutter kicks, push-ups, squats. Like just, you know, yeah. just keep going and going and going until he basically collapsed. And then <laughs> he like started having like a heat stroke kind of. Oh, God. And then... Uh, Nobody ever asked me to come back and have to do any any training again. And then all the other recruiters, uh, it was kind of like a common theme. Everyone would always be like, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna make it." it everyone would be like, "Damn, I heard about your workout. You're gonna actually be a seal." Um, like even my first day showing up to buds, all the guy, you know, there's like guys who are rollbacks, guys who have been right, there like right. a couple months, and they as soon as they like kind of meet me and talk, they'd be like, "Oh, you're gonna make it." I'm like, "I know." Like, and that's the attitude and, you have to have, 100%. Yeah. And that solidifies your mind, like, I, I'm not going to quit this. It, it sh- yeah, because yeah. you can't show up to something like that and have any question. And I tell, and we've had so many younger kids ask us about stuff, you know, hey, you know, what do, you, what do I need to do to be prepared? And this For and that. all the soft branches, and they're all yeah. similar and, in so many ways. I tell people more often than not, like, without a doubt, have no mental baggage, don't have issues with your family, don't have, you know, 
show up and you know you're going to make it 100%, no question. Physically, you need to be there for sure, but let's say you're not the best runner or you're not the best swimmer in the world. They're going to get you there, but mentally, nobody can do anything for you. If you can't do that, you're you're not going to make it. But you got to, like, it's easy enough to train and get to a certain level. You have to be, you you can't be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, pass. You need to have your body good enough to pass when everything goes wrong. So, you know, so I was really strong runner naturally and strong physically, but I wasn't a great swimmer yet. And that Mike Gekka, he, he put me with a, like, a top guy who was going to, he was accepted for OCS to go to Buds. His name was Ryan, and he was an incredible swimmer, and I just started swimming with him all the time. There was another guy going who was like a high school swimmer, maybe swim in college too. I trained with him a lot. Then he, he had a friend at the YMCA who was a former ranger, and his name was Rick Lorimore. He ended up being the president of Naui as well. Nice. And he got me dive certified for free basically and then we'd be doing stuff in the pool and he would like tie me up and take my regulator and all these things and uh got me a lot more comfortable that's a huge jump in the water so i was like preparing for like worst case i'm not like oh they're gonna train me to be a diver when i get to buds i'm like i need to learn all this stuff before i get there so i have every single advantage um because even like I had everything go wrong in buds as well. Like I, even with oh I'm gonna make it, I like. If it wasn't for me refusing, <laughs> I would I wouldn't have made it. Oh really? It. I injuries. I'm assuming. I mean that's yeah. For mo- I mean that's the that's the ass kicker. Yeah. Well, it, so so I'll go I'll go through this story. It's uh, I mean I I was the first person uh, that was performance dropped who got back in and. And it was because I was, I was like, so sick. And in they didn't, what class they didn't were you? Know it. Uh, seven. So I graduated in 272. I showed up for 269. And at first, when I, was, when I was there and we're doing all these runs in the soft sand, my, I started having like a major IT band issue. And my, I was like, at one point, I'm like hopping to keep going. And it was before the day where foam rolling was a well-known thing. Right. And... I was, I had a, I had a connection to like a chiropractor there. I had him doing all this stuff, all this active release. Nothing was making it better. Um, I was going to class up into 269, but I was able to, we had too many people and there was going to be guys who were kind of light duty, kind of got a free admin role. So I kind of made sure I got into the admin as a admin role as I was figuring out what the hell was wrong with my knee. Cause I was like hopping, still keep, in hopping to keep, this was PTRR. So oh, like, okay, gotcha, you're, gotcha. you're there waiting for all these people just keep flowing in and you're just working out like every day. That's where I met Ty Woods originally. He was an instructor a bit for us. Um, and, and so then that cla- cla- class is up 269 and then somebody, one of the O's was like, oh, do you know about foam rolling? And I'm like, no, I, I never heard of that. I mean, it was 2008. So I start foam rolling and it's, you know, it's so painful when you're crazy tight. So, uh, I start rolling that, and all of a sudden, I start to be able to run, like, really well again. I'm like, okay, sweet. Like, thank God I found out what this foam yeah. rolling is. I mean, you know, here, here it sounds ridiculous. Everybody, you foam roll every day. But back then, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Or it was just starting to become a thing. Right. So 
going to going to that class and it was all the guys I went to boot camp with and they all just get slaughtered. Like first day, they they like broke records for most people quitting in a day. It was like twenty two <laughs> people quit the first day. I think it was like thirty two people quit the second day. So what like, what do you think those quits were for? Was there like a common theme? Was it just just the harshness of it? Was it like literally bell drops? Like I'm fucking done. I can't do this. Like self quit. Yeah, or was they it? just got. Well, I mean, they were all working. They, the guys in my class, a lot of them were like decently smart. We actually got. It was some. Were they young, of, a little bit younger? They were young. See, they were young. That's the thing. Is they it? were smart. You get, they were, they you get were, one dude that rings that bell, something you got, somebody that's that you've got a respect too. for. Yep. And it's just the domino effect. Mass so. exodus. Yep. And and so uh, I'm like just and it's funny because I had like really good some really good tough friends in there who were like they're going through it. One of them was I remember him saying, Oh yeah, I'm a lot I'm definitely a lot mentally tougher than you. I was injured too. And I <laughs> I uh, didn't and I you know, didn't get rolled. I, I went through in doc and everything. He ended up quitting the second day of first phase. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, that was the talk I mean, the loudest. Yep. Man. Yep. I was like, and you know, I'm just trying to get over my freaking knee. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And there's different levels of it band. There's people like there's times my T band hurts. I can still run fine. But like, this was ridiculous. I was just like hopping and skipping to like, keep going. My leg wasn't working. And, and so um, I go into the next class, and now I'm getting in like bat, like badass shape again. And and uh, we go we go in, probably lost fifty people before because now you know I was there two six nine classed up. Then it's like a whole another two months before or more before two seven zero classes up. So now I like really know everything going on. A buddy of mine that went through that class, he was he was like a he actually needed to take some extra kind of test. He was like an ASVAB waiver, and he ended up <laughs> being this ridiculous badass SEAL. And he went through, he went to he went to boot camp with me. I ended up being the best man in his wedding. He went to boot camp nice. like two weeks after he graduated high school and was this badass SEAL. I remember he kept getting put on watch like every night, and I was like, you're not putting him on watch anymore. I had to like yell at the person making the watch bill. I'm like, and... What's his name? Um... Mike Sanchez. Got it. Yeah. And so we, so, but now he's in the next class and he makes it through hell week. And there's all these things that they lost. Like, I think it was 20 some guys on the beehive where everyone is in their cami uniform and they all get pushed into like this tiny little circle and everyone's trying to swim and they start pulling down on each other and everyone's panicking and they like swim away and, then they like couldn't breathe and they go and it's like failure to train. They're like, oh, you quit. And the kids would just walk over and ring the bell because they got told that they quit. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, all right, I need a. So I would go to the psychological pool. warfare. I would go to the pool with him. And I remember if anyone, I'm like, if anyone ever tells me I quit, I'm just going to jump in the pool and go to the bottom and be like, I'm. Come get me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I will die. It will be like cutting yeah. my freaking throat to ring the bell. There is n- nothing. It's going to make you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And pass out. And so uh, I would go to the pool with him and he would help me. He was doing all the, you know, drown proofing. I, I would train that with him. Started really, cause I wasn't. What I, pool were you guys using? The CTT. Oh, combat training. They would let you go over there on the weekends and okay. stuff at weekends and night. So I would train that. I train 
we'd put on our uniforms and we'd just be like pulling each other down, dunking each other, kind of fighting, wrestling in there. So I'm like, all right, if that happens to me in a beehive, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be fine. And going down, doing all the knots, I would learn every all the things that were coming. I made I was like, I had all these extra months to literally train them, practice awesome. them. And so it was a huge advantage being being able to do that. So first phase goes by. I do I I don't I don't fail a single thing. Uh, even the swimming, I was still not a great especially nor, like normal, but with fins, I was I was actually really fast because I had like really strong legs and I learned the dolphin kick and that was more core and my core was really strong. So I could dolphin, dolphin kick, I never failed a single thing. All the all the even the drown proofing I turned like green during because I wasn't good at it yet and I was twenty-three, I was really shredded and negative in the water and so it was really challenging for me and I I remember thinking I was like like had no air but I'm like if I stop it's it's like quitting and so I finished I finished that and then Friday before hell week I remember I think maybe someone was I think someone was graduating SQT and I feel like I'm gonna throw up I think they, they make us go there and then go jump in, hit the surf and everything. I think I had some, maybe I had some friends who were graduating SQT. You guys are watching the graduate, we're sitting around watching yeah, the Yeah, but they yeah. make us, they make us go and be in uniforms. And then they're like, when they, when they graduate, they're like, two, seven, zero, hit yeah, the yeah. surf. And you run out. And I'm like, why am I so nauseous? This is weird. And then we're getting, like a, our mentor is speaking to us and I have to walk out and I just start throwing up in the garbage can. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm drinking water, and I'm so thirsty. And I drink water, throw up, drink water, throw up. And I'm trying to just, like, let it go. And then I'm like, all right, something's wrong. And I'm like, hey, I can't keep any water down. I'm just puking. I go to medical, and they go to uh, put a IVs in me, and they miss my vein, like, three times because my vein, I was so dehydrated. It's, like, bouncing off my vein. But finally, they get it. Um, they give me, like, a bunch of bags, and then I couldn't, I couldn't eat food that day. And I think, like, the whole next day I couldn't eat food. I was starting to be able to drink water and stuff. And then that night, Saturday before Hell Week, I started to be able to keep a little bit of food down. Sunday comes, they're like, all right, are you doing it? Or do you want to go to the next class because you've been sick? I'm like, there ain't no way in hell. I'm starting all the way over. I'm like, I'm, I've been waiting for Hell Week my whole freaking life. Here I, here I am. And... You're like, I feel like shit, I but start, fuck it. I thought I, felt, I thought I felt fine. I thought I was going to crush it. And then the first day, um, I mean, they, they just <laughs> destroyed people. And we're in the, we're the steel pier. It's in the, in the bay. Um, everybody's Dude, you treading. just literally just gave me fucking cold <laughs> chills. They have us go, oh. and it's water's, water's freezing cold. Uh, Nobody had quit yet. Everybody's treading water, and we had a, we had a guy, an officer in our class who was like a who was a beast. Any really good guy too, and he looked kind of like Ivan the Russian from Rocky Four. Right. And he was this, the only guy faster than him in our class was a like all American cross country runner. So he was like six four, probably two twenty, fast as hell, absolute beast. And then Steel Pier. He gets up and goes goes and quits, Ugh. and then twenty people twenty just people follow him. Every, just yeah. mass exodus. Everyone quits, um, and 
and uh, my body is just like starts to feels like it's breaking down more and more and I'm like what the hell is going on and the next day we're doing like these buoy swims and I'm like out there we're swimming they, they hit the blow horn we swim back and you're in all your I think you're in boots and camis and so you're like really slow swim out again like really far then they're like all right come back um they're like all right do it again come back and a bunch of people are like hyping out like crazy and they're like oh do it again <laughs> and they're like all these people quit they're like i can't go out again and then like right after everyone quits they're like just kidding you're um, done you're like you're done with that and they're like all right get get sandy i remember because it was a decently sunny day but the water was just like so cold yeah. i remember what time of the year was it See, march yeah okay see and like, yeah. does it get fucking warm but that's, that's, i was lucky i got yeah. i was out there in this Midsummer, and all and, the water uh, comes down from Alaska. So you're basically yep. getting the water that was in Alaska in February. That's Specifically, all that area, it's, it's called upwelling. So that's when the yeah. water starts to turn. So all the deep, cold water from the canyons hit the surface. Mm. And it's not good, dude. Yeah, it's like the water is like 50 degrees. And I remember diving. They're like, get sandy. And I'm like, <laughs> I jump into the sand. I'm like, wow, I've never been so happy to be sandy. This, this like, Just sand warm. is warm. I'm like, this feels great. And then... You know, everywhere you go, you have the boat on your head. So you're just running and running and running. And, like, my thighs just start, like, cramping. I'm like, what's going on? And I, like, do everything I can to stay under, like, under the boats. And we're running back from, I literally feel my thighs, like, cramping. And it was a type of thing that a football player gets on the field. And they get, like, carried off the field. And I just do every, I, like, just bite down and run through the cramps, and I think that's what got me rhabdomyolysis then. Oh, so I didn't even out. know about about this. So I, like, do everything I can. It's, like, literally, it's even, like, the last 50 yards, and I'm, like, we're almost there. Don't, like, fall, fall out. And I just, like, bite down. I make it there. But then we have, like, some four-mile-timed runs, and I just, ran, like, ran through. <laughs> so now my legs, like, don't work. I remember thinking you know how you like fire it from your brain to tell your legs to move and you go to run and my legs just don't work. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm trying to run. It's not working. And I might come in like the last maybe seven or eight or something. And then everyone that's by, then they're like, all right, we're doing it again. And pretty much everyone that had been behind me or like just about like quits there. So now I'm starting to be towards the back. Well, I mean, I was already towards the back. Now I am the back. And and uh, I come, and now all the instructors are yelling at you. And then now we're doing more boats, more logs, and I'm just, like, so weak. I remember they have the polygraph, too, and I'm like, I think my shoulders are still working. But then I go to, they're like, all right, we, they put us all. It's You're doing this log PT, but they, they have a polygraph, which is a log that has the chains connecting them. Mm. So you can see, and now I'm like, damn, my, sh my shoulders don't work either. What is happening like, I don't understand. I'm supposed to be here. And then it's just like, I just keep getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And it's like you're drowning every day, man. Yeah. Do and they I have any, do I, they have any med checks between like when you start feeling like this and yeah, but it's not anything you would realize without doing uh, like labs and seeing, yeah, seeing yeah, my yeah. blood. It's so and dangerous, man, because all that shit's going into your freaking kidneys and yeah, super dangerous. And, and it was a thing that had never been diagnosed before. Because everyone just quits when they get it. It's like you, people. Your mind start, is, is the yeah. only thing that's when keeping people you going can't, right now. When people can't stay up, 
they get so like, you know, mentally, mentally beat up. They're like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be here. And they, they just go ring the bell. So it's never an issue. And me, I was like, I'm supposed to be here. Something's just freaking wrong with me. The wires are crossed. Yeah. I'm like, something's, something's wrong. And I felt like I couldn't breathe either. I remember every, I thought I might have sipe. There's a few things that only happen to bud students. And it's like swimmer-induced pulmonary edema. Yep. It only happens to, this pulmonary edema only happens to bud students and people that climb Mount Everest. They get hate, high altitude pulmonary edema, lungs fill up. I thought I was having that. So they end up performing, like I get an hour from Wednesday and I had refused to quit. And then they end up performance dropping me like right before one of the, and everyone else that was left made it, made it through that class. And I remember one of the instructors uh, is like, all right, gum, you, you haven't been able to keep up and everything. You, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're going away. You're I'm going surprised. back. I'm surprised. I didn't think that, that's the first I'd ever heard that, that I thought during like, week it was just like hey as long as you don't fucking quit they're gonna i couldn't stay under the boat uh, when they'd they'd like take off instructors would come up because i was really close to all the guys and a lot of times we'd get in a height line and all the strong guys would get together win everything but um all of a sudden i wasn't strong anymore and instructors would push the boat and then if you can't keep up you fall out and i'm like i couldn't even keep up with the boat without having the boat Right. My legs were just completely going out on me. And I was thinking, you know, it's almost like being, I felt like, all right, I'm not going to make it through here. But it'd be like if I was surrounded by the Taliban, am I going to keep up or am I just going to keep doing the best I can fight till the fight till the end? I think of my grandpa who had to fight in Korea, wasn't allowed to, you know, wasn't allowed it's to ever give option. up, you know? Right. I was like so many people, I was like, I always said, I don't, I think it was like 70% of people quit maybe like, 10 or 15% have like a medical, medical injuries, get staph infection, get broken bones, stress fractures. And like some people, a small percentage get performance dropped. I'm like, if I take away like the quitting option, I have a pretty good chance of making it actually. And I was like, I am not allowed to quit. doesn't matter what. So many people had these epiphanies during hell week oh, yeah, I want to have a family. Oh, I want to, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to kill people. I'm like, all right, if I ever have some crazy epiphany like that during Hell Week, it's going to be, all right, we'll make it through Hell Week, and then you can do whatever you want, you know? Um, I was like, I'm going to make it. So they, they performance dropped me, and... On Wednesday? Yeah, it was like an hour from Wednesday. So it was like Wednesday, it was like late Tuesday night, and I'm like, all right, I need to go medical. There was something wrong with me. I, actually, first I tell them, I'm like, all right, I know I haven't been able to keep up physically, but can you just go, like, I'll do anything to stay. You, I'll, you can surf torture me for the next day. I'll just go out into the ocean. I know I'm not keeping up physically, but I, I'll go do And he's like, we can't do that. Or we? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, we can't just beat you on your own. <laughs> yeah. So, so I go to, there's like a whole quitter room as well. And I'm like, I'm never going there. Yeah. And because they, they yeah. put guys there. Because some people go and commit suicide and different things because they just quit on themselves and they can't handle it, especially after not sleeping for several days. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to medical. And I, they put me on like some stress tests. They put a pull socks on me and I just like struggled on everything. But they, they couldn't see from that that anything was really wrong with me other than just being exhausted. And 
So like, all right, go back to the room. And I'm like, they, at that I point, just, they didn't do any kind of blood work. No, no, it's the basic so, stuff. So I go. So I'm like, I'm not going back to that quitter room. I just went to my room, slept in there. And then there was also the Navy utilities. And it's what we wear in boot camp. It's what everyone wore when they go to XDiv. And that's where all the quitters are. And I'm like, that's the quitter uniform. I am never putting that on. I wouldn't even let myself like put on the uniform or anything. And I just wore my dress blues everywhere. <laughs> I, I fucking love the mentality though. You have to have that. I was like, that's a quarter uniform. I'm never putting I'm never putting that fucking thing on. And I never I never did. I went in. That's pretty fucking this, hilarious. Uh, everyone is there was like five people that didn't make it that day. Some got performance dropped, some quit. And I was like, I think five of us were there. And I made sure I was like all the way in so I could, after everyone went out, I could speak to him. And he's like, all right, here's your paperwork. Everybody sign it. You're going over to XDiv. And I was like, can I speak to you after? And he's like, yes. I was like. Is this one of the medical reps? This is the senior chief of first phase. So he was like the senior enlisted, um, really badass, like infamous SEAL. And I'm like, I was like, hey, I'm like, I'm, I was like. I never failed anything my whole time, my whole time here. I just got really sick Friday before hell week. And I don't know I have rhabdo either. Right. I don't know. At this point, you're still not I sure I knew something happened. was wrong from having viral gastroenteritis. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I haven't failed anything the whole time. All these, I know all these people who never passed a single swim, never passed a single run, never passed a single O course, you know, before... Hell Week started. They weren't allowed to do Hell Week. They got to go back and start first phase again. I go, I never even failed a single thing. I was like, I just got sick before. I was like, I'm 23. I have a college degree. I don't have to go get stronger and come back. I'm really strong. I, this is all, I'll do anything to be here. You can take away my pay and you can take away my bonus. I'm like, I will do anything to stay here. All I want is to start training all the way over again. I was like, and he's like, damn, you were the first person ever walk in here and want to do this again? Um, he goes, I'm going to talk to the other instructors. And, and uh, he and that's goes... A, that's the thing at that point, man. It's all about your reputation, you yeah. know? Well, you're, you're doing everything you can with words and whatever to survive, yeah. to stay there. Because you're like fucking almost two feet out the door, and I, not by choice. Yeah, and I called, my me- I called my mentor, and he sees me call him on Wednesday, and he goes, what are you effing calling me for? You're in Hell Week. I'm like hey, I got really sick before and something's wrong. I did not quit. I refused to quit, but my body stopped working. I don't know what it is. And he's like, oh, damn. He goes, you're one of the like, toughest guys I ever trained. I'm going to put you, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call a bunch of people. And I also went that, like, legendary SEAL, Master Chief guy, old uh, long time in development group and Team 6, and they would speak to us about stoicism and delayed gratification. You know, you hear these horror stories about guys who go to buds and the instructors don't just like them and they make them quit and all these things. I'm like, if I ever have some weird thing happen, he's the person I'm going to. And he gave us all his information. I had it all there. I think I called him. I was like, can I come speak to you? I told him the situation and he's like, yeah. He's like, you need another shot at buds. You, he goes, we have all these guys who come here and, and they quit. You refuse to quit. We just need you to be healthy. And he goes, I'm, he was training all the guys who made it through 
Hell Week as well, kind of getting him ready for second phase. And he goes, I'm going to invite you. You'll be the only white shirt that can come and train with everybody else. And uh, so I go back the next day then, and the senior chief is like, oh, I spoke to the instructors, and they don't think you deserve another shot. Because wow, because they all, all they remembered about me Followed was me out. like dying in Hell Week and being weak. And, and um, I was like, well, I just booked a Master Chief Guild, and he thinks I deserve another shot. I spoke to my mentor. He thinks I deserve another shot. Um, and he's like, I'm going to make some, some more calls. And then this is the senior enlisted from the first senior, phase? Okay. Yeah, he was a senior chief. And then he gets two of the chiefs, and then I like, he goes, come back, and you're dressed blues. I go in, and, and they're like, I explain it to them as well. And they're like, well, why do you want to be a SEAL? I was like, I was like, I want to hunt the most evil people in the world and make sure 9-11 and anything, nothing ever happens to this country again. I want to go attack them in their, their country. And they're like, and, uh, and then it started getting, that. I talked to my mentor. I'm like, hey, did, he ended up calling another master chief who was doing something at the center, and he went in. So all of a sudden, he's got all these people like vouching for me. And they're like, well, what's it going to hurt? Make you come do it again. They're, the instructors were kind of pissed, but they're like, I mean, it's not. And then I show up. They're like, we're either fucking this dude for good or. And so I'm, just gonna first, make it. I'm literally the first person that had been performance dropped ever allowed back into training like immediately. I go right into the next class and I remember showing up and all the indoc instructors, they knew I had been dropped. And they're like, they're like, what? They're like, what are you doing here? You're, you're not supposed to be here. And I'm like, oh, I, I got. I got allowed back in because I was because I was sick basically, and they're like, "Who do you know in the Who do you know in the teams? Do you have some family or anything?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, no, but I'm like, I, I had a I had a, my mentor was Mike Gecka, and who was like, had the god like massacred all the all these like my instructors for first phase had been. <laughs> You know the mean, the meanest instructor to them, and they're like, "My Gecka thinks he deserves another shot." What? And and um, a bunch of guys were pissed, but then other one because there's guys called house mouses as well who are like guys who have been rolled who are injured with stress fractures, and they're like the little admin guys. So they would come back and tell me what all the instructors are saying, and they <laughs> they'd be like, "Yeah, a bunch of instructors are student pissed. intelligence network." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The all the. Some of the instructors are pissed you're getting another shot, but other instructors are like, well, you know what? It's not like he's getting a free brown shirt. He's got to do all first phase again. And they're like, oh, tr that's true. All right, we're going to make sure he gets, he gets it. Oh, and so God. I go, so I basically get right back into training and start in doc again. Like how, how long, so, what's yeah. that duration in between? So, but that, at this days. point, do you still not know that days. you had rhabdo? I didn't know I had rhabdo. So I go, right back into the next class, and I went from never failing anything to not being able to pass anything. Holy fuck. And now all the instructors are like, we knew you were weak. You fucking we slacking did. piece and of so, shit. Yeah. This is Re remember, total mind fuck to yeah, you too. But remember, this is one of the things. Be careful what you wish for. You might, you might just get it. Remember I wanted to do Hell Week for the challenge? <laughs> this was like the ultimate Hell Week with Rabdo multiple times back to back. Your body not working, and I was like, I wanted a challenge. I, I freaking got it. Now, so I do. I'm pretty familiar with this. You know, I mean, you had to have some other symptoms going on. You had to have. I mean, at this point, 
Dude, you yes. had to have, pain. I mean, obviously pain in your legs, all your muscles, your kid. It were you having like pain in your kidneys? I'm going, I'm like, I think I have stress fractures. Something is wrong with my legs. I'm like, what's going on? I go to X-rays I go clear. To the X-rays clear. I'm like, nope. what the hell is wrong with me? How am I so I'm weak? really surprised that none of and these fucking boneheads at Bud's Medical did not say we need to get some blood draws in the sky. I mean, that's like basic, basic panel would have been one of the first things that they would do. Yeah, so I, so I get through, I get, I like barely make it through Indoc, start <laughs> oh, first shit. phase. Now, now all they're like, oh, you're back. Here you are. And I'm just like, but, so we do, we do this run. The only things I was passing because was the like PI inspection and the barracks, like personal inspection, barracks inspection. And there was like four of us that passed both of them. I was pretty good. At the inspections, any, like anyway, because I would talk to the guys that passed it from the class before, and then having gone through it, I knew exactly what I needed to do. I was like one of four people that passed this stuff, so they could they knew I was like trying. But then runs the the second week of first fit. So actually, it was Friday. We do we do a big long um, land portage with the boats, and I fall out from under the boat again. Uh. And it was one thing when it was during Hell Week. This was just like something I had done easy before. I fail the swim. I fail all this stuff. They they bring me in and they're all just yelling at me, calling me. They're like, I'm like, something is wrong. I don't know what. They're like, stop saying that. <laughs> you know, why are you keep making? Well, it's excuses? the same thing you've seen the guys who are just like, oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah. They put the pulse ox. You're yep. like, you're 98 percent. Shut the yeah. fuck up. You're stop. Yeah. So I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, all right, this, they're like, you better come back after this weekend and be strong, ready to go. And I'm like, all right. And I'm like, okay, I got some recovery. I'm going to be feeling good. And I, we have a four mile time to run at maybe like 6 a.m. on Monday. I'm like, all right, I'm going to crush. I'm going to crush this run. I take off the first hundred yards and I think I'm like feeling okay. And all of a sudden my legs stop working again. And we're, we're going and I'm in, I'm in last place by a long shot and I'm like just trying to keep going. It feels like I have knives in my thighs. It feels like I have concrete blocks for, for, uh, for boots. And it feels like I have, yeah, just like knives in my shins and everything. I'm trying, I'm trying to run. I'm trying to like fire the running motion. And it's just like, all I can do is like swing my legs and try to (laughs) keep going. And then my class that had just, you know, I had been in hell week with, they start maybe six or seven minutes after us. And, they all take off. So all, they all come flying by me. They're like, come on, Jeff. Come on, Jeff. You got it. I spoke with the guys later. They're like, man, they're like, I guess Jeff is really quitting. Like, they can't believe it. Um, they thought I had just kind of given up because they knew how fast I was. And, and then so first phase, you know, is, of course, behind me. They pull up. The instructors are in a truck. They pull up on the right. Now, second phase instructors, they pull up on the left. Oh, fuck. First phase is telling second phase. (laughs) First phase is telling second phase, yeah, don't worry. You're never going to have to meet this guy. He's going to be out there on the ship out there. And I'm just like, my life sucks. I have the worst life (laughs) in the whole world. that's fucking horrible. Holy shit. Worst life in the whole world. And I just keep going. Finally get there. And then they, like, beat me on the beach for a while and do all the push-ups and whatever and the surf. And then... I go walking up. They're like, all right, you're done. I go walking up to one of the instructors. I think he's like, oh, he's going to finally quit. 
And uh, I'm like, hey, I need to go medical. I need to figure out what something's completely wrong. I don't know what it is. And I, I go to medical, and uh, they're like, damn it. I go to medical, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, something is wrong with me. I don't know what it is. The class before, I never failed anything. I just came in last place by six minutes. I was running like a 28, 29 before. Now I just ran a 408. Something is wrong. I'll go, I'm not looking for a way out. This is all I want. I will do anything to stay here. I just need to figure out what's wrong with me so I can start passing everything and and actually make it. And he's like, sounds like you got this thing, rhabdomyolysis. Uh, it's really rare. I'm going to send you to to get to get your labs done Finally. and stuff. Seriously. And I go there. I do, I get my blood drawn, and while this is going on, they're doing more land portage with the boats, and all the instructors are like, we're going to freaking crush Jeff, and now Jeff isn't there, so they're all flipping out, they think I'm hiding, and <laughs> they think I just went to medical to like hide, basically. I come back, they take my helmet at the pool, and they just smash it, I still have it, it's got this huge, <laughs> like, like uh, indentation, it like bounced in the air and i'm just like oh my life we do some drown proofing which is kind of you know you're just doing stuff in the water it's not right. that bad and then we go back and our proctor uh, is speaking to us and another doctor the doctor the same doctor comes out he had gotten the results and he's like hey jeff yeah jeff has it he's like jeff come up you got you got something i never heard of before it's called rhabdo and i'm like I actually have it, <laughs> and because I was like ev everything, I, nothing, nothing. I'm was actually showing blown up away before. that you got as far as you did. Because I mean, that's the thing is, man, you get that buildup. Of, I was so puffy too. Oh, like I, every everyone was like, "You look big." I was just puffy. I was retaining all this water. I was like, I had probably weighed an extra ten pounds or something. Everything was like swollen on me. I was like, "What?" Because it fucks up the process for your kidneys processing, uh, you're, you're taking all the stuff out of your blood, you get all those fucking white blood cells, and you get all the, the, the uh, red blood cells that are fucking damaged, that are sort of building up in your fucking kidneys. Dude, it's super dangerous. I mean, people yeah. go into kidney failure, and you could have totally. fucking died. Yeah. Legitimately. So, That's insane. I go, yeah, I go back to them, and... All the some of the instructors think I just Googled it and like <laughs> came, like was like, hey, tell them I have rhabdo. They're like, what is this rhabdo thing? You're just Googling stuff. I'm like, what? Do you think I Googled that? I didn't. I didn't. I never heard of this before. And uh, other other, they're like, you're just a buds flounder. You're. They're like, <laughs> they these medical guys. They don't know. You're not. You shouldn't be here. I just saw how weak you were. You're now you're getting you getting convalescent leave, and because I, they're like you can't push a broom. I don't want an instructor around you. You need to just have total rest and rehydration. So, I got like medical convalescent leave. Went back to Pennsylvania. I was just on the couch in front of the TV, Fuck, eating, mil drinking milkshakes all day, um, and then finally, without did you, my did body, they put you on any meds at all? No. So is it really just no. rest? Yeah. That's sometimes the they'll biggest give people. Part of it. Sometimes they'll give people IVs. Yep. I think that can be if you get like it typically only happens to people that get like crushed in an earthquake or like a really crazy. Some people if they haven't worked out at all and then they do a crazy CrossFit workout, it can it can happen. Uh, so for me, it was just like rest and hydration, and then I came I came back 
and I could still feel it. How, my, how long my did they give you for a convalescent leave? I think it was like a week, maybe a week or a little more. Um, I could still feel it, but then they had me be light duty for a bit. So they didn't have me running. I think it was like no lower extremi- extremity. Maybe I'm like, I still, I think that went by. I'm like, I still feel it a bit. I'm feeling way better. Like I just had, th- things were just like still sore. It was like, Months of, like, running through rhabdo cramps had, like, done something to my legs. And Damn. and uh, and they're like, all right. And then they're like, all right, we're just going to make you, like, you can do some upper body stuff. So you can do some abs. You can do some push-ups. Uh, and then maybe all of a sudden after, like, a month, all of a sudden I started feeling normal again. And I was still in good shape. It's not like I got out of shape during right. this. Just And all of a sudden... We're, do, we're doing these runs, and I could just, like, zone out. And we, conditioning runs, I'd be zoning out. I remember before, even just doing, like, a Bud's chow hall run, you know, you run, like, six miles a day just to eat. And every one of them was, like, even painful. I'm, like, focused, like, oh, Bud shuffle. Oh, like, Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden, I can, like, fly on these conditioning runs. And, and uh, we, go to start, we go to start in dock. Now I'm feeling... And our proctor was, was awesome. He ended up going to UC, we ended up reconnecting maybe just like a year ago. He was going to UCLA Anderson, which I had just done, and he was doing like the entrepreneurship pipeline. And he had up, I'm like, hey, <laughs> I really appreciate you not making me do Indoc again. Uh, and then I just trained with Ty Woods and all the brown shirt rollbacks. Um, so we're just doing like epic workouts every day. And then I'd be, I would lunge for I mean I would I would just lunge for like hours and do squats and really? run and do all these sprints. body weight body and weight lunges just tons yeah I would I would wear a weight vest mm-hmm. and I would do sprints too and sprinting up the berm all this stuff and my legs were just these two weeks I and we do in different circuits they had all these outdoor kind of uh, different machines just going boom, boom, like all these circuits. And Ty Woods was awesome. We were just doing incredible workouts. And I, all of a sudden, I'm in, I'm probably the best shape of my life. Fuck yeah. And now I'm used to my body not working while I do everything. And now it's back. So I'm so mentally tough. And even the things I had sucked at, like the drown proofing and stuff, <laughs> now I'm like great at them. And I'm just like, I start... First phase, you know, pass the, the inspections. Uh, we do a run. Um, it's given you I a new keep, appreciation for your body work. Yeah, and all the instructors, they, they're just, like, staring at me, and I, I'm just crushing all the runs, crushing all the stuff. We start the next day. We have a four-mile time to run, and a lot of, some guys are, like, crazy athletes and buds, and I come in, I come in the top ten of the four-mile, four and I come across. I went from a... 408 four mile to I come up, I come over at like almost 28 flat or something. I come across the finish line and all the instructors are there and I just stare at them as I come across the finish line. I'm like, look who's back. And, uh, and I'm just like, now we're, I had done, you know, Hell Week and all these surf tortures when the water was 50 degrees. Now it's like July and August. Oh, yeah. And it's other people. It's getting close to 60. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> For everyone listening, the hottest San Diego. The ocean, the bay at that point gets 72, 73, 74. It's in the bay, yeah. So 
60 high 60s is fucking amazing in the ocean yeah yeah Ugh. so we're doing these surf we're doing these surf tortures all these things and other guys are like you know convulsing and i'm just like all the instructors are coming by they look at me and i'm like i just like flex and i'm like not one shiver they're not even gonna see you shiver and uh and they come by just stare them all in the eye like look who's back and then uh <laughs> just just was we do we do the run and they're like all right the first the one i had fallen out on before where we run to the demo pits with the boat and do all these sprints uh they're like art gum you're in the two the two spots like the heavy spot uh they're like you're in the two spot the whole way i'm like let's go and my boat just runs to the front and we just like run all the way to the demo pits and they're like damn you're you're doing it all right um and i go through and i just and then we do we do log PTs and a lot of times you're always trading trading out different positions. The end of the log is always kind of the heaviest because you got to make sure whatever you do you're like keeping it up and everything. And one of the instructors was just like you're on you're on the end the whole way. So circle of death, you're you're up. You're just holding you're just holding the the log and you're walking up and over the berm, going in a big circle, come back up and over the berm and it's like you everyone's like one, two, three, and you can't you can't just hold these logs up the whole time because it gets like too heavy. It starts to come down, and as it's coming down, you're like one, two, three, up, and you're like you're going. It starts it starts all coming down. You're like one, two, three, up, and my log was just in the front the whole way. Another guy we ended up losing one of ours. His back went out on me, collapsed. Jeez. And then we're just going with six with six guys going all the way around. He's like you're on the end the whole time, and I was just in such insane shape and so strong. Just keep going and going and going. And they actually had a photographer out that day, and we got all these epic photos of me just on the end of the log, like crushing it, like stoic face. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, keep keep going through. And then, every, I mean, everything goes awesome. And then we get to... Uh, like hell week again and now i'm actually a little i'm a little nervous even though i like crushed everything being in the two for a couple hours like no big deal but i'm like i think they're gonna make me be in the two the whole time of like hell week <laughs> and i'm like it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in you you like can't really you like can't really do that so i was totally nervous um because they had made me stay in the two like the whole the whole time like Damn. and so but then we, we start we start doing doing hell week they actually it was the first time they like usually it would break out maybe 10 or 11 at night when it's all pitch dark so you think you're gonna be hanging out for a while waiting and all of a sudden happened at maybe like 4 or 5 p.m it was like hell started early for us and we're like wow. all right so everybody's got their boots off all this we're like shit we're like trying to get everything on scrambling they're doing breakout and uh and then we just like run with the boats forever, doing these log PTs. But uh, they, I like just went in the two in the beginning and like was there for a bit. And then I'm like, all right, let's start trading out different different spots and everything. I was in the one for a while, and I kind of like the one because you, I, I like not having to worry about where I'm gonna be stepping in the two. You're like always watching the person in front of you, so your feet aren't tripping. You're almost like you know marching. You're like running. There I could just, you know, be focused on where we're going and everything and kind of be driving the boat. So everything was super smooth in that. I remember we kept, like, winning winning stuff, winning the logs, and they're like, why does this boat keep winning? 
And I was like, because we have Rabdo. <laughs> <laughs> and they're Superpower. like, you're crazy. And then uh, I remember Thursday, I think we're doing like around, around the world where you're just paddling all the way around Coronado with the boat. And that senior chief was like, damn, Jeff. He goes, I guess it was a good thing we got you back in, huh? Did, and do you have somebody in the boat with you? Yeah, we have like six guys, your whole boat crew. So you're just paddling, you know? Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were saying that you had a you had a uh, an instructor in there with you. No, no, he just he just pulled. He's like, "Hey, Jeff, get up here." He's like, "Sounds like a good thing that you uh, that we got you back in, huh?" And I was like, "Yes, thank you so much." He's like, "Shut the f up." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> And then yeah, we go around, and yeah, it was it was awesome. I made it made it through. Um, that one, and then I called my mom, and my sister was in the car, and I'm like, hey, I made it, I made it through, everything was good. <laughs> They're like, what, what? And everyone's like kind of cheering and everything, and um, super, because it had been, I'd been a white shirt for 10 months, <laughs> and Damn. you know, just going and go. But I was like, I don't care how many times I get rolled and have to do this again, it's gonna be way better than leaving and having to go to the Navy and then Two trying years. trying to come back. Yeah. So explain to our listeners that aren't familiar uh, what that the color designation of the shirts mean. So what's what's a white shirt actually mean? Yeah, so a white shirt is um, you have like your, your cami uniform and you got a white name tape and the white shirt means you haven't been through Hell Week yet. Once you get through Hell Week, then you get a brown shirt and they're like, all right, this person is actually worth training. Um, it's like it's like selection, basically. Yep. You, they they make sure that you want it before they start investing a lot of time and money and everything everything else into you. So now it's like, all right, you're actually worth training. We're gonna start teaching you more technical. So does things. it in buzz at that point? Does it turn? I wouldn't say more into like a gentleman's course, but is there a demeanor change <laughs> from the instructors they, at all? They have a lot more kind of respect for you and they the majority of those guys are going to be seals so they might be working with you um so they know at that point the juice they're going to get some some juice out of this squeeze potentially opposed to fucking who knows with first phase got it yeah so i think it's like you make it through hell week and you're going to have like an 83 percent chance of making it or something maybe 85 nice if you make it then you make it through pool comp you're around 93% chance of making it. And so most of the stuff after that is like safety violations. Because I, I knew a couple guys proce- who were just... And, yeah. and procedure. Yep. But yeah, safety violations. Well, after after pool comp, then it's safety violations, also procedure. Yep. You got to be, you know, you can get chits, but the safety violations are the big ones. Range make, and demo if you're like, and all that. If you're, yeah, you get a safety violation for doing something wrong with the demo or sweeping, you know, basic basic stuff to yep. us, but for someone who's never never right. done it before. Right. So yeah, the same then I'm getting ready to go to third phase and the same guy that had he was actually the the eighteen year old who he was always like a couple classes ahead of me. It was kind of funny too, because he got rolled for pistol qual and went back and then he worked my hell week. So he was putting up he was filling my water up with Gatorade. He was putting Snickers bars in my in my <laughs> meals. He was giving me all kind, and I had gotten he was really bad cramp, like you know, rhabdo and all all this stuff. So he was sticking uh, 
potassium pills and my mashed potatoes and all kinds of things. He was my my boy, hooked me up, and that's actually pretty cool, man. That's yeah. funny. And then, uh, then when it was like third, he actually. So we do a lot of practice for pool comp as well. So you have it's like a wooden uh, dive dive setup, and you it's not the typical modern setup. It's a full kind of. You know, two yep. hoses, and they can tie it into a knot and stuff. So he showed me all the procedure you need to do. He was always helping me. He was like one step ahead the whole way, and always helping me with the procedure. And then he was practicing shooting a lot and doing a lot of dry firing before he was leaving for the island again. And so I went shooting with him, started shooting nine mil, doing some dry firing, and kind of you know helped me before I was getting ready to go out. And everything too. So uh, it's like every anything you can do to be, um, like a lim- like take every advantage you can. You know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Tighten it all. Stack up. stack all the odds in your favor. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, keep going with this with this blood story. It's it's cool to you know deep dive into it. Um, what's what's Back it up and kind of go forward. So explain the phases. There's three phases, correct, in buds? Yeah. And there are they equal in time and duration? They're close. They're all about eight weeks. It might, the first phase might be, uh, I'd say, for, we'll just say they're all eight weeks. It's yeah. close to that. Plus, you have in-doc as well. But uh, so first phase is where they're just trying to, you know, run you into the ground, make sure you're, very comfortable in the water. Make sure you're a good swimmer. Um, after you make it through Hell Week, you have three more weeks at the time. You did all this. Uh, it was called Hydro Hell Week, and you would go out, and you had to make charts and all these things. It it totally sucked, and we didn't really do. We didn't really do those missions anymore. Yeah, the uh, hydrographic reconnaissance. Yeah, yeah. So th- I think they ended up changing it and making training guys to do over the beach missions and some things that were a little more applicable. Um, not hundred percent. I know they were. I know they were kind of going more that route. They might only do that now. Then second phase, they start training you for up uh, all the all the open. You get do all the pool comp. You do a tread where you, you have to tread with your hands out of the water yep. for five minutes and you have twin 80s on. And I want to say you have a 12-pound weight belt. Yeah. And if you keep your head... This was a technique I had a friend show me. And so if you have your hands out of the water in your head, it's like an extra 20 pounds or something. So it can be like you're kicking so hard. My friend... I had, like a, I had a friend in there who was a beast who ended up passing out from like working so hard to try to stay above... My friend, oh, because you have the tank on your back too. So out of the water, it's crazy heavy. In the water, it's neutral. So we go into the pool again and training with him. He's like, this is what I learned, which makes it easy for me. And so you, you kick harder. You come out of the water. You take your breath. And then you go under the water. And then you can kick really light. But your hands are still out of the water. And is you, that you all, they, fins, they all they want? Fins on. Yeah, all you got to do is keep your hands out of the water. So now I'm all the way under. Come up, like, get, breathe out, breathe in, and then back Whatever down. you need. 
And so right, yeah. I would just, I spent most of the time under the water while I'm doing the tread and it made it light. It made it light for me. And uh, especially with fins. But so, so I did, I could have, I could have done the tread for 10 minutes. It was, it was easy. Once I learned that technique, it was all about, you know, pre- preparing again. Yeah. And so. So that, that technique actually like really forced you to be really comfortable under the water. Yeah. Just that confidence in, in just, I know my body. I know what's going on. It's like, you got to get in that rhythm. Which doing first phase, th- like back to back to back, made me, <laughs> made me really comfortable in the water. Even though I didn't come from a swimming background, I, I was like, it was like, yeah, trial by fire. fire. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> for sure. Thanks for listening and check back next week for part two with Jeff Gum and the guys from Savage Actual. This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests, who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime... Find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.